Hello, everybody. Welcome in to the Penny Lane Podcast. We've got a fantastic show for you today. Blaine is going to be joined by Katie from the Money with Katie podcast and blog, as well as the Morning Brew. They're going to chat about finance, setting goals and growth, maximizing returns on your energy output, and a whole lot more. Make sure you are subscribed to the Penny Lane Podcast over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever it is that you listen to podcasts, as well as the Penny Lane YouTube channel. Don't forget to turn on those notifications as well. Today's show is sponsored by Aries and Pennies going in raw. The stock market is hotter than ever right now and traders are taking advantage. But what does that mean for the people who still haven't started trading? The market can be a little intimidating at first, but you don't have to be alone in the learning experience. We at the Pennies going in raw podcast are here to help you. I'm Dan and with my co-host Hugh Henney, we make the stock market a fun but informative experience for our listeners. We offer knowledge for all levels of traders from beginners to those who do it full time. On PGIR, we discuss up-to-date news about the stock market and interview other traders who all started out just like us and made it big. You'll hear from Hugh and other multi-millionaire traders, founders and CEOs of companies, Fintwit superstars, and even professional athletes. Have you ever thought about investing your hard-earned cash but don't know where to start? Do you have money just sitting in your savings account collecting dust? We were all there once too. Listen to Pennies Going In Raw on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, Katie. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for asking. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So could you just tell me a little bit about you? Sure. Uh, what With respect to what? What would you like to know? Just sort of your background, um, you know, grow like really kind of very basic background mm-hmm. info. I'd love to know where you're from yeah. and, you know, just basic background information. Cool. So I'm currently 27 years old. I live in Colorado, northern Colorado to be specific. And I grew up in Cincinnati. And actually, it was a northern Kentucky suburb of Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, and then went to Alabama for school. So spent a lot of time in the south. And then lived in Dallas for five years, and now I'm here. So kind of slowly making my way west across the United States. Um, And I studied public relations in school, so definitely didn't ever have any sort of financial or business classes. I I was studying communications and writing and storytelling and things of that nature. And then ended up getting a job at Southwest Airlines in Dallas after school, um, working in the marketing department. And that kind of morphed into like a UX writing job. So I was working on, you know, like the micro copy on websites and apps. And then that led me to a few other tech companies down the road. So it was a pretty, um, pretty drastically different full-time experience and like work experience than what I ended up doing now, um, which is being a personal finance blogger, writer, content creator, podcaster, like you name it. Um, But I I definitely, I like to point to that as proof that no matter what you studied and no matter what you were told you were good at growing up, you know, I was always told, oh, you're so good at English class. You're so good at reading and writing, but like math, no, not so much. Like you might as well, (laughs) you might as well not even bother. So it was, it was like a, a funny little, you know, overcoming that narrative that I'm not good at math or don't know anything about money. Those were all narratives that I like very much believed uh, before I started doing this. And I think curiosity and persistence can take you a very long way in the age of the internet. 
For sure. That's so funny. Um, I am from Georgia. I went to Georgia. My husband works at Delta. All my in-laws live in Denver. Oh my God, we have so much in common. (laughs) I know. I studied history and I'm a professional painter and got into the stock market during COVID and now run a day trading podcast based on what you learn from the internet so So I'm very glad I told you I asked for your full background that's amazing we have a lot of similarities that's so yes yes so um how did you take your like first steps into the financial world I think how it all started there were a couple key events that happened that made me interested one I think was in like 2017 and I was driving to a work event with a friend and she was telling me about some guy she was dating she's like oh my god he just made I don't remember how much money it was he just made this much money on some stock trade and I was like wait what like he did what and it kind of it just piqued my interest you know because you hear about people using money to make more money and you're like wait how does that work and then from there It was dating my now husband who had a pretty substantial brokerage account at the time and was using it to put himself through law school. So he had made some offhanded comment about like, oh, when I started law school, like I've been using this same brokerage account and I've paid for two semesters and I already have more than when I started. And I was like, wait, what? Like you can grow. So it was just those types of conversations that really got me intrigued. And then... I started telling people in my circle that I was interested. Like I started telling my friends, mostly my guy friends, um, because they were the ones that also cared, which was like part of what I wanted to change. I was like, well, why aren't women talking about this? So I started telling them, um, yeah, like I'm interested. I want to get started. I don't really know what to do. I had one one female friend, though, that was like, buy this ETF, this ETF, and this ETF. And I still to this day own those ETFs in Robinhood. But um, that was kind of like how I got started. And then once I started learning more about like, I learned about Betterment in 2018. And I was like, oh, my God, what a concept like this. It'll do it for you. And then I found like the Choose FI podcast and like Brad and Jonathan and started following everything they were doing. And then they would have people on like Mad Scientist and Money Mustache and Financial Samurai and like all these people that now... I've, you know, had online conversations with and know, which is super cool. Um, But yeah, it was it was kind of like you start to peel back the curtain a little bit and then you realize like, oh, my God, there's like this whole other world back here that I didn't know about. And not only is it like super interesting, but it's kind of life changing. So I really wanted to share that information with other people, but it wasn't until 2020 and I had been reading and learning about this stuff for a couple of years that I was like I'm just gonna start my own blog like who cares I just I don't care if no one reads it I just want to like put the information out there and like put my own spin on it because a lot of it's kind of boring so might as well try to make it fun so we're like the same person (laughs) so hi self that's amazing um amazing Except my husband, I said, works at Delta and knows nothing about the stock market. So that's like a, I really had no guide except like the internet and Mm -hmm. sort of guy friends online because it's a very male-dominated space. Yep. So, yep. Um, Are you, how active are you, I mean, I follow you on Twitter, Mm -hmm. but like how important was Twitter in your journey? 
Honestly, Twitter really wasn't at all in the beginning. Fascinating. Okay. I didn't really use Twitter at all. Um, I mean, I used it for personal stuff. And it wasn't until I like really started leaning into Money with Katie that I started following financial people on Twitter. But I more so was like, I would say most of what I was learning came from podcasts and from blogs and books. And then the people that I was connecting with, oftentimes it was on Instagram that was kind of the platform that I chose to like focus on. But in saying it that way makes it sound like there was some grand plan. There really wasn't. It was just, I liked using Instagram. So I was like, oh, well, I've been writing this blog. I'm just going to like make an Instagram profile for it so I can post about new blog posts. And that way the people that follow me on my personal account that don't care about this stuff don't have to see it every day. Sure. So it kind of like took on a life of its own after that. Very cool. Very cool. And isn't social media amazing for that? You can be a, like, I have my Twitter profile and I have my art Instagram and oh, they're yeah. both great accounts and I am essentially two different people on them. Yeah. Like in those, I sort of thought like I, it took me years and years to build this Instagram account. And I thought like in the Venn diagram, there would be like a little bit of that I could get some art people over to the financial world and vice versa it that mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> that's so interesting <laughs> I, I think that's like funny that. I and I heard so people have asked me before and I've thought about this before in that sense of like people have said like is money with Katie a character and I'm like yeah kind of I mean to some extent it is and yeah. it's definitely reflective of my views about personal finance and the things that I'm truly learning about and thinking about in the moment. It's not very, there's no like grand strategy. You know, I just sit down every Tuesday and I'm like, what am I interested in today? What do I care about right now? So there's certainly no like larger strategy than that. But it's funny because I think I did put my personal Instagram in the Money with Katie profile almost as like an experiment to see if people would like care. And it's funny because I think people probably go to my regular profile and they're like, this girl's boring. All she does is like take walks with her dog and like post pictures at airports. You know, it's like not yeah, very yeah. exciting. <laughs> um, but that that's really funny to hear that there's not a ton of overlap between the two or that it's like, no, like art's my thing and like or like money is my thing and I don't really care about the other. Yeah. For sure. And like money is a unpleasant thing for a lot of people right. to talk about. So I think there's a lot of people who aren't in this space who are like, that's, I would not like to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah. can be triggering and emotional for people for sure. That's why for I think sure. it's funny to like, or why I think it's important to create platforms where it doesn't have to feel that way because I think the more you are exposed to something in like a lighthearted, fun, no judgment way or a, hey, it doesn't matter. Like you don't have to be a finance major. You don't have to be, um, you don't have to work in finance to care and like and talk about this stuff. Like this is just as relevant to regular people too. And we're not going to hold it against you that you're a regular person. Um, I think that's important because I think it can help start to deconstruct some of that distaste for the topic. Absolutely. Um, have you found that you, I am um, like online a very outgoing person, but in real life uh, fairly introverted. Mm. And I have found that knowing a lot about the stock market has been very, very helpful in public interactions because it's like everybody knows about it. And yeah. you can kind of be like, oh, like right now, 
the Twitter thing with Elon Musk. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I would have known or cared or anything, mm-hmm. but now it's it very much like you were saying, it opens this secret door to mm-hmm. like all of these things. Mm-hmm. And like, I have to go to a cocktail party this afternoon, a hundred percent chance that someone's going to be like, Blaine, what do you think's going on with Twitter or whatever? And I'll have an aunt. Like, yeah, I've just found it. I found it very helpful. Mm. Yeah. It's funny. I feel like, I kind of relate to that in the sense that I feel like I'm pretty extroverted uh, on the internet. I would say I am to some degree in real life, but it really depends on the context. So if I'm in a social setting where it's just like people I don't know, I'm not like going to be the one that's going out of my way to like talk to everybody. I think I'm pretty social with like coworkers and and things of that nature and like my actual friends, but people I don't know, I'm not as like outgoing, I think, as I am on the internet. But um, what has been funny to me and how I like have to catch myself sometimes is money is so a part of everyday life, no matter how much you want to pretend it's not like the housing market that's impacting everybody and like what it's doing to rents nationwide, um, the cost of childcare and like how hard it is to find a nanny. Like all of these things come up in conversation with people all the time and they have no intention of like going into a deep dive about macroeconomics or money. But anytime any, I like can't help myself. I'm like, oh, and did you know that this and oh, and in 2021 this happened and oh, and by the way, like this is why this is the way it is. And so I think that that's it, it. it has turned me into like one of those people around certain topics because that's just what my brain, it sounds depressing, but like that's what I'm always thinking about. Like I think if you literally observed my brain throughout an entire day, pretty much all of my waking time, I am like thinking about those types of things or thinking of questions about them or finding blog posts or episodes or new books to read or like discussing or debating something with somebody on the internet. Like it's practically my whole life now. And yeah. that has some, some downsides too. I mean, like I'm not really good at talking about anything else anymore because it's like the only thing that I do. Um, aside from like what I'm watching on TV, I can talk about that for hours too. I watch something on Netflix or Hulu every single night, but yeah, it's funny. It's like, I've never, I've never been so like enamored with a topic and for this long, like I, I have an obsessive yeah, 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 personality, yeah. but like I've never st- stuck with the same thing for like years. Cause there's just always same. more to learn. And like the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know anything. And that's totally, you, that's like the tipping point where you're like, Oh my God, there is so much to know. Totally. I'm on, I think we're on an hour or a hundred and 30 hours of the podcast so far oh we're over God. 100 episodes <laughs> and crazy. I'm literally like we have not scratched the surface like I know we, like there it is and I've always wanted a podcast and the most obvious one for me to do was painting or art or whatever and I was like I don't know if I have that level of curiosity because Mm. I'm very much in my lane I'm doing my own thing I'm doing my own art but this it is it's an ADD person's dream yeah because you're like there's more there's more there's more over here there's more over here there's more over here oh my god it's so true (laughs) totally totally so how so the morning brew got me into trading oh my god no way yeah and I um credit them with that constantly uh big 
big fan of the morning brew. And the way it happened was during COVID, I had a lot more time on my hands. So I was already subscribed, but I started reading more often. And honestly, it was like, I think that I could like, I thought that there was going to be a shortage of meat in the beginning Mm. of COVID. So I thought that it would be really smart to buy Beyond Meat in the case that there was like a meat shortage. And then sort of like Pfizer as well. A sort of like, oh, Pfizer might be like dipping its toe into a cure for COVID. Let me like kind of get in there. And then like you on Robinhood, bought the stocks, started watching them obsessively and then buying things that it recommended to me like workhorse was a huge stock in the in COVID and so I was looking at Robin Hood all the time and my husband was like you're not investing you're trading and I was like I know I know you know um (laughs) but I like got all my stock tips from the morning brew so if it got no morning brew I wouldn't be here today I don't think so I'll tell Neil well and the other writers Neil's like the the one that I speak with the most but he writes the daily letter yeah he I mean I owe them you know oh my god that's so funny huge gift they it changed I am not the same person I was before this so um anyway thank you me neither honestly for sure so tell me how you got sort of hooked into the, how your blogs turned into a podcast, turned into yeah. being associated with The Morning Brew. Yeah, so little timeline, I guess. In April of 2020, I started the blog. And then I really didn't have any plans for it. I didn't know how often I was going to publish or like what it was going to turn into. It wasn't until July, really, maybe like June, July, a couple months later, that... um. I was in the running for a job at uh, Nerd Wallet to be a travel rewards writer, so to write about travel credit cards and like how to get, you know use points, and that was always like something I like loved because it just feels like such arbitrage. And um, so I didn't get the job, and it was like the most grueling interview process. Like I went through like six rounds of interviews and like a bunch of sample pieces that I had to write, which are actually now live on Money with Katie because I was like, well screw that I'm gonna publish them as myself then and sure when I didn't get the job my whole like consolation to myself at first I was really upset but then it it was kind of like one of those moments where you're like well wait a second I just spent all this time telling these people that I really want to write about money like I don't need them to write about money I can write about money by myself like I don't need them for that and so that was kind of the point that I was like I'm gonna try to publish twice a week blog posts on my new website for a year I'm gonna do it for 52 weeks I'm gonna write 104 posts and if after that point nobody cares and no one's reading it and it's a flop then fine I'll go do something else and I'll accept that I'm not very good at this but um that's not what happened and so I started doing that in like July by September of 2020, I think I made the Instagram account and it slowly started to grow. And then I remember it was a big day when my money with Katie following surpassed my personal number of followers. Cause I was like, oh wow, like I'm actually like people actually care about this. And um, so th- that was kind of that those two things were kind of in tandem for a while. It was um, the blog and the Instagram account. And then the podcast didn't come along until 
October of 2021. So almost a full year later that I had kind of always been interested in podcasting because it was a medium that I listened to so often and was such an an avid consumer of podcasts. So I was like, it kind of doesn't make sense that I'm not even like leveraging this platform myself because like I don't really sit around and read blogs all day, but I do listen to podcasts all day. So that was kind of the mental switch in October of last year to I'm going to go start this podcast. And then probably a month later, that was when Austin and I got connected, the CEO of Morning Brew. Um, And we started talking about their personal finance content and um, it kind of went from there. So um, the podcast has only been around for six or seven months, I guess, at this point. So definitely a lot younger than the blog is, but it is quickly becoming like my favorite thing that we do simply because I just love the medium so much. It's like the the way that all of my podcast episodes start is as a blog post. Like everything just gets written in a Google Doc and then I figure out later, like, do I want this to be an episode or do I want this to be a blog? Like, do I want people to be reading this or listening to this? And typically it's the topics that I find are maybe a little more sensitive or like require more nuance or I really want somebody to hear my tone. That's where I'll go the podcast route. Um, And then I'll decide like, who do I want to be the guest? Who would be really cool for this? Whose perspective would be interesting to hear on this topic? And so that's kind of been the the process for, for building it. But it's uh it's been really cool and I'm glad that I did it because I think initially I had a lot of resistance to it. I was like, "Oh, I should just do two two blog posts a week." And it was a big deal for me to like stray from that and replace the Wednesday post as a episode because I was like, "I don't know, like I don't know if I'm going to be good at podcasting. Like what if this flops? What if I hate it? What if I just want to be a writer?" But fortunately, I like the sound of my own voice too much to uh to not like <laughs> podcasting. <laughs> so yeah that's how uh that's how we got here I love it I love it and what a cool um I'm really into manifesting me too Literally. <laughs> and that like you're like I'm just gonna do I also wrote a blog for 10 years so oh, really uh, oh my god I mean we're just really we're on the <laughs> um, same page we're on the same page um and I still write it Sometimes, actually. So, but what a cool thing to be like, I'm going to put these steps in motion and the universe then sort of like collaborated with you to mm-hmm. put opportunities in front of you. And then exactly. it snowballed. And now I've been thinking that so much, like right at this time in my life, actually, um, the other day I was in the car with the whole family and my son was like mom when was like the happiest time in your life and I was like well um I was really happy when I was like 17 or 18 Mm. and like my whole life was in front of me and I had what I wanted to do with it and I wanted to be married and I wanted to have kids and sort of like all of that was so hopeful and then I think like right now because it's the culmination Mm. of 20 years of sort of striving like I've got the two kids I've got my husband I've got this podcast I've got a career I'm proud of Mm -hmm. I've sort of stepped into this is who I always wanted to be and Mm -hmm. like what a cool cool 
thing. And I totally. feel like the universe is very response. You know, like mm-hmm. I just kept sort of, ch- I did the blog. I did my art. I did, I started a podcast. So I started trading. And it didn't happen overnight for me at all. Mm-hmm. It's just been like one step in front of the other instead of the other. But I wake up every morning and I'm like, I think it's happening. I think all the, <laughs> all the things are I love that. I like love that. Together. I think it's happening. It's funny you it's say happening. that. I have a I have a thing behind me. Um it was I made it in let's see. It was September 22nd, 2019 is when I wrote this on a little card. I um I did this goal setting session cuz I was a fitness instructor at the time. And so Lululemon would come and do like goal goal setting workshops with us and um yeah we I like went through the whole workshop this was obviously very pre money with Katie like like the blog had not was still you know it'd be six or eight more months before the blog even existed so very early on but I had written um I remember like we had to set this very specific goal and I wrote I will double my corporate income by doing purpose-driven work by March 2021 and I remember it was like, uh, let's see. Yeah, like 18 months away. Like that was like the benchmark I gave myself for the goal. Cause I think that was what they recommended like a year and a half. And I remember writing that and being like, how the F am I going to pull that off? Like, there's no way I'm going to be able to do that. I don't even know what I'm going to do. Like, what does purpose-driven work even mean? But like at that point in time, I like knew enough that, um, it's like, I, I really, it sounds so weird, but I literally conceptualize of it almost like a baby. Like, I was like, it was it was like gestating almost. It's like, sure. I knew there was like something that was supposed to happen and I could like sense that it was on the horizon, but I didn't know what it was or what shape it was gonna take or like what I even wanted to do. At the time when I wrote it, I remember thinking I might become a full-time fitness instructor. That was like what I was kind of conceptualizing when I was writing it. But it was crazy because I found it a couple, you know, shortly after March 2021. And I don't think I had quite doubled my income by that point. But but Money with Katie ended up being like four times my corporate income in 2021. So it was one of those things where if I didn't believe in manifestation before, I certainly did after that happened because I was like, holy shit, I didn't even like know what I, I didn't even it wasn't even like a concept in my brain yet. But just like putting it out there, like I will do this. I uh-huh. love it's just crazy. This episode is sponsored by Aries, the newest trading broker offering both mobile and desktop trading. The app is built for retail traders by retail traders, and they welcome user feedback. Do you ever nail the entry on a trade but can't get filled? You won't need to worry about that anymore because they are a self-clearing brokerage direct to exchange with TradeStation and they are much faster than other brokerages that route through a clearinghouse. Aries is a multi-asset platform. You are able to trade stocks, options, futures, index options, crypto, and micros. You are also able to buy, sell, and trade cryptocurrencies. Lastly, earn up to 5% interest on eligible crypto assets with no lockups. Aries has partners and offers many free tools such as Advanced Charting, TradingView with unlimited charting and indicators, free options flow, dark pool data, and many more tools on their roadmap to come. This is on average a $50 to $100 per month value, all for free. Finally, you can withdraw and deposit actual crypto and transfer to the U.S. dollar and use it to trade any trading assets offered. Aries is the first brokerage to offer this. 
please click the link in our bio or go to www.tradearies.com slash pennylane to sign up for an account today. I am a huge believer. I used to write I used to write two blogs. One was about photography and real estate and my art and all of that. And then I had a cool. second blog called Blaine's One Thing. And the concept of the blog was that I would do one thing a day to move myself forward. And at the time, I wanted to be a gallery-represented artist. So whether it that. was like writing a cold email or you know, submitting to a gallery, whatever it was, I would do one thing and then I would put it on the blog. And although I ended up merging that blog into my other blog, I really have stuck by that as like, Mm. the idea is to do something today that my future self will thank me for, whether Mm -hmm. that's eating a salad or not taking that risky trade that could blow up your account or like for you, for example, I just was kind of like, I think that I would like to know her. So Aww. sending you a DM or whatever would yeah. be like one thing that could help me sort of on this path. And, you know, at some point, like the manifesting, those things do start to snowball. And you can mm-hmm. go just for anybody listening, if you want to try that, you can go for like months where nothing happens. And then mm-hmm. you kind of get a one yeah. One thing will work and it'll trigger other things that you've done. Um, but anyway, I don't think that manifesting in and of itself is enough. I think manifesting with like a little bit of work toward the goals is the magic. Oh, 1000%. I mean, it's like, you know, I think for me, it always came down to just being open to my own intuition. Like there were like little pings that I would like either like ignore or run with. And like the idea to start the blog and call it money with, I mean like everything in retrospect, I'm like, I don't even know why, why I followed through with that or like why I was like, yeah, that's a good idea. I'm going to spend eight hours today doing that. I have no idea. Um, And so I think there's like that element of it. And the other thing that I will think about sometimes is how this is like a kick I've been on recently that I feel like effort in life and like what you expend your energy toward. Sometimes I'll I'll hear from people that like want to start a blog or like want to start something. It doesn't really matter what it is, but they're just kind of like on the fence about whether to do it or not do it. And I get the sense from them and I've felt this way myself in the past that you're almost like, well, I don't want to like dump a bunch of time and energy into it if it's not going to pay off. And totally, my whole perspective on that now is that 98% of the things that you do in life are not going to pay off. 98% of the energy you expend is not going to do anything. But the 2% that does is going to give you such outsized returns that it's going to make all of that look like nothing. And that's kind of, um, I kind of like liken it to like an index fund. Like you buy an index fund, let's pretend you buy the S&P 500. All right, well, maybe over the course of the next 30 years, 350 of those companies go bankrupt or like are or are no longer in the S&P 500. Let's say I don't know, 100 of them, you know, kind of do okay but kind of fall flat. But as long as like that 50 just are amazing, like your returns are going to be amazing. And so I think of energy and like expending energy in the same way where like I might meet 15 people 
and go out of my way to meet them and get to know them and network with them and like that relationship may never go anywhere or it could be the person that like ends up being my next business partner like you just don't know and so I think that like decision paralysis of or analysis paralysis of like should I shouldn't I it's like we waste so much time in that space and I think the moment we accept that like majority of our energy is going to be wasted and it's just like being a volume shooter and just like getting as much out there as possible that's where I think you start to find the returns it's like if you're too worried about being like surgical and strategic in what you're doing you're going to take too few shots yep yep that's so much I always think that trading is so it is life. Um, I've learned <laughs> that so much, just like being in the trenches trading every day. And what you said is so similar to, I have a 40% win rate on my trades. Oh my God. Wow. So as long as you get a good risk reward mm-hmm. and, you know, you can take 10 trades and six of them are not going to work. And as long as you keep those losers small, if you let those four yeah. work out the way they should, that return is going to so much more than cover mm-hmm. the cost. But you got to shoot your shot, yeah. right? You have to like be in the trade to get the the upside return. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And there are so many successful traders who have a, a 10% and they're very successful, but mm-hmm. they, they just hit home runs and wow but you know not everything is a home run obviously but yeah for sure oh my gosh that's really interesting I the more I like I'm like deeply into the trading world the more I'm like it is it's being a mom it's being a wife it's being Mm -hmm. trading is just but I'm also obsessed so I'm gonna find like I love that you're obsessed though I think it's really it's fun to have something like that and to be that into it how do you determine you mentioned that as long as the losers are small enough bets mm-hmm. how do you determine the size of the positions you're taking in things is it correlated to the confidence you have that it's going to work out or do you have like a system for determining um what type of like the size of the bet you're going to place thank you so much for asking if you had asked me a couple months ago I would not have an answer to that <laughs> well, I'm glad I asked now that <laughs> yes. um so I have been doing this challenge that I called the apple challenge so I've been trading for two years and it has not been easy like mm-hmm. it, in fact I lost I just had to look at what I lost in 2021 and I lost $30,000 in 2021 that's not a small amount of money mm-hmm. right that's it's a lot and I kind of like traded 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 hit rock bottom and had to implement a system mm. because just taking things left, right, and center and not having a plan and not having risk management was not working for me. Mm-hmm. And when I started trading, I thought that maybe I was special. No one is special. Like, you know, it's <laughs> no like one is not, special. yeah, the market will chew you up, spit you out. You're not special. You're not st- smarter than the market, whatever. So um, in mid-February of this year, I had just like a terrible, terrible day called it was like this is the rock bottom this is the worst it's gonna get and I had ten thousand dollars left in my account and I talked to my mentor and he was like what you need is confidence so I need you to try to make fifty dollars a day only trading apple 
and I need you to do it for two weeks and then we'll like reassess. And his name is Jason Spadafora. He's on Twitter as the Wolf of Weed Street. He's a famous trader, famous investor. And part of me with the special thing was like, of course I can make, like I've made thousands of dollars in a day. Like, of course I can make $50. Mm. But the secret to that challenge was to make the $50 and keep it. And mm. if you if you didn't hit your goal, you had to start over. So I got through that two weeks of the $50. Then I did two weeks at $100, two weeks at $150. And you tap wow. out at $250. And the idea is if you can make $250 a day consistently, you can make any amount of money in the stock market that you want to because you've developed the skills on how to control yourself and whatever. So when I had the $10,000 dollar account every position size I bought was five hundred dollars okay and then I so that was a very long way no no I'm I'm appreciative of the context because it makes sense I mean I understand like where you're going with this so I um five hundred dollars and then I didn't go from 500 to 600 to 700 like I would make I made the $50 and then I tried to just hold those positions longer mm, to make a okay. hundred and so after I became consistent I was able to like stretch the trades out to make that capital work more for me hmm. and I eventually got up to a thousand dollar positions and so increasing the position and stretching the length and then now I'm up to making $1,000 a day. Mm. So I was trading Comcast this morning and I had like a $3,500 position. So, But I did try to like incrementally go up. So my account now in doing the whole thing is about $16,000. So it's not like my account like quadrupled because I truly don't think the stock market works that way but it has been Mm. a very slow and steady increase and so that is a larger position size of my account that I normally would trade but because I feel confident and have a system and know exactly what I'm risking Mm. you know it doesn't it's not as like scary yeah yeah anyway that's where I am on this Hopefully I can go to like $1,500 a day and we can keep going and I won't blow up my account again. I mean, fingers crossed. What <laughs> Was it one trade that blew up your account in 2021? No. It no. was just overall. It was, it was just overall sort of small cuts. I've always been very good at not blowing up my account in like one fell swoop. That's gotcha. never been my thing. Yeah. So it was just like paper cut, paper cut, paper cut. And then... I made this huge decision to switch. I started in with small caps, like mm. penny stocks. And that market for that is so bad post AMC GME squeeze that mm-hmm. I decided to learn options. Mm. Switch to options in 2022 in January. And then that in that learning curve was just sort of like on a very slow downward tra- trajectory, but I was just learning. And over that time realized that when I followed other people's trades on Twitter or in the media or whatever, mm-hmm. I would lose every single time because it wasn't my trade. Yeah. 
So I had to learn how to find my own trades and take my own trades. And I was really on the upswing for that. And then the rock bottom came when I got my very first 100% gain on an options play that I found myself. It was an AMD put. It was the most beautiful play. And then got kind of greedy, took (laughs) someone else's call, and ended up red on the day. And that was like the nail in the coffin was like, You've come so far, but you don't have the confidence to like continue. So that led me to the Apple challenge and here I am. Here you are. That is (laughs) here I am. (laughs) How much can I ask how much you started with? Sure. Um twenty five thousand. Oh, okay. So oh, I got you. So you started with twenty five thousand got up to the point where you were even able to lose 30 and still have 10 no, left? No, So you have to, as I'm sure you know, you have to have 25000 to day trade in a margin account. Oh, sh- okay, sure. Okay, so actually I started with 28000 and then lost that money and had to continue depositing money oh, in order okay. to be able to day trade. So um, that's how I lost the money is I would just put I in see. like $500 a week to gotcha. keep the account and then finally are you using Robinhood? no what do you use no i use think or swim think or swim it td ameritrade okay okay cool i've never even heard of that it is uh it's really an incredible trading platform Hmm. and i just actually signed a partnership with another broker that's called aries um so i'm gonna like work with them on the blog but You've, have you heard of Weeble? Yes. Okay. So it's like a new Weeble. Oh, okay. Um, this Aries broker, and it works through TradeStation. So it's a – anyway, I'm excited to see where the company goes. Yeah, I that's think wild. Cool. I um, I don't know much about the trading world. I mean, like, I, I feel like what I always got into with personal finance – I mean, like, I, I like learning about investing, but – I think the stuff that I find really fascinating about investing is some of those more macroeconomic discussions where it's like the um, the impact of the Fed or how like the how policy impacts the markets. Um, I think those things are really, really fascinating. And just the um, the the way that some of the really, really intelligent wealth managers like think about money and risk and risk mitigation and I, f- I find all of that very fascinating I-, I don't think I would have the confidence to get in there and like try to make money like that I, I definitely have always skewed more of like I'm gonna buy my index funds and then like go increase my income and then just shovel more money into the index funds which yeah. doesn't feel very good right now given where we're at in the market but sure, last sure. year it felt Markets. great I was like oh Mark- this is amazing this is free it's yeah right. I'm like oh my god yeah. this is so easy index funds <laughs> yeah. are the best and now I'm like damn it this is the part that you have to just like grit your teeth and hope that you're diversified enough to weather the storm and yeah the more I learn the more I'm like damn there's so m- it's just so funny how I ironically I feel like my confidence has been converse or like inversely correlated with the amount I've learned because as I've learned more the more I'm like oh my god like sure does that make sense absolutely absolutely we're a good pair then because those things I don't know anything about the fed meeting yeah 
<laughs> not really. Like overall state of not the market. Really. You're funny. Nah, it's not that. But like what happened on Netflix, I am like in like <laughs> in there. <laughs> so yeah, I um That's I can so speak funny. like broadly to like yeah, we're in a market pullback. Why? I'm not sure. Right, but, right. You know, I know. It's it, and and but like that's the thing is like to some extent. Like, you, we can all point to reasons, right? We can all be like, well, intri- like, rate hikes or, well, the war. Like, there are things that sure. you can point to and be like, that's why this is happening. But at the end of the day, it's so sentiment-driven that I'm not sure that as it's happening or before it happens, we're really able to adequately assess those factors. And I, um, I always think about the end of 2019 – and I think it was 2019 when, if I'm not mistaken, or maybe it was 2018, no, it was 2018, when it was like Christmas Eve and the stock market like plummeted on Christmas Eve. I think that was 2018, but all my years are all jumbled ever since the panini. Anyway, in in December of 2019, January 2020, like I went back and was like reading some like headlines from CNBC and like all the like Bloomberg about what was going to be impacting the markets that year. And it's like, you know, trade war with China and like Trump and China and all. I mean, like pandemic is not on anyone's radar. And I feel like that's how it always is, is the the big market maker events, the big things that like truly like change everything. 9-11, like no one sees that stuff coming. And we spend a lot of time worrying about the risks that we think we can see, like Y2K in 1999 like everyone's talking about it the news makes this big deal about it womp womp nothing happens it's like oh okay well move on everything's fine and then 9-11 happens and it's like and that ended up being a very 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 significant part of the 21st century and so I think that there's just some humility that those types of events 9-11 global financial crisis COVID-19 that they teach us about our inability to really adequately predict and mitigate all risk because at the end of the day the risk that you're aware of you're gonna mitigate you're gonna do something about it you're gonna protect yourself from that downside but that means inherently that like whatever's left over is the actual risk that you're gonna have to contend with when it comes um and hope that whatever you're whatever you've done and whatever strategy you have is going to be able to withstand it but at the end of the day we just don't know. And once again, isn't that a beautiful parallel between the market and life? And life. Yeah, it really is. You're so you right. Know? Mm-hmm. Thanks for yeah, la- you- landing the plane for me. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, I've talked, my son has dyslexia and we've done all the things. We've yeah. gotten him in school. We've done da 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 But we couldn't plan for this, right? Yeah. And, and that it's a... Uh, a risk or whatever that no matter what kind of parenting we did we weren't really prepared Mm -hmm. for that and Mm -hmm. isn't that life like Mm -hmm. health things and car wrecks things like outside of our control same thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and it almost makes you want to there's like some degree of helplessness I think that can come or like feelings of helplessness that can accompany that but yep that's almost where I think like acceptance of it ahead of time of like things are going to happen to me that I have no control over and bad things are going to happen that I have no control over in a weird way it can bring you some peace of like 
okay, this is just part of the contract of life that like, I'm not going to always be in control and that's okay. Um, I think it's when we delude ourselves into thinking we're in control that we fall really hard from grace because it's like, why did that happen? That, that shouldn't have happened to me. Like I don't deserve that. Or like I planned in a way that should have prevented this or like, yeah, that, that type of stuff. And I think, yeah, I'm a control freak. So that I'm mostly speaking to myself right now, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Oh, this is my well, cat. You're about to see his butt. Sorry. <laughs> hey, buddy. Well, I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree with what you're saying. It's sort of like we're all living here knowing that, like, no one's getting out of this alive. Like, yeah. Right? Like, there's, exactly. like, a thing hanging over all of us, but you just got to do the best you can Yeah. day to day. Yeah, absolutely. That's a really good yeah. point. Yeah. During my trading days, at least once a day, someone's like, the market's rigged. And I'm like, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, of course, but like that, we're that's the game you signed up game. for, yeah. right? Right. <laughs> oh man. All right. So, what do you see as like what does your next year look like as far as the podcast and what some plans yeah. that you have? Oh man. Well, as we just covered, the best laid plans usually go awry. So <laughs> maybe I shouldn't commit to these too much. But I think right now, what's kind of on my radar, like. So with um, with the podcast right now, we're doing one episode a week and we're doing one blog post a week. We have a newsletter and then a whole lot of content on Instagram and, you know, some Twitter. And I think what I'm really hoping um, professionally, like for the business where I'm hoping we get a year from now, would be scaling up to two episodes a week. And we've even talked about starting a second show. Um and now what that show would focus on, I'm not sure, because obviously the Money with Katie show is very broad. I cover a lot of different things. It's it's very, there's a wide scope of coverage that we do. And so I don't know what the next show would maybe even be about, whether it would focus on like just scaling up your income or whether it would have a focus on like women in particular. Like I have no idea. But I, I definitely think that there's opportunity there. And so if I had to guess, that's probably what would end up being like the next big change now that we've kind of got things rolling a little bit and we have a bit of a routine that is working. Um, personally, I think for me over the next year, my hope is that, and we've talked about this on Twitter before, my hope is to get better at being okay with people not agreeing with me and people not liking me. I think I didn't realize I was a people pleaser until I started doing this and realized how much it would hurt my feelings and I would take it to heart when someone would leave a one-star review or someone would like reply to something I post and say like, you're an idiot or you don't know what you're talking about or whatever. And I think I'm slowly but surely starting to get to the point where I'm realizing that those people don't matter and that like they're not worth my time. Um, but it's hard because I'm by nature tend to be pretty agreeable. And I think the one thing that I'm constantly reminding myself every single day is some of the most prominent personalities, like people who have made their personality and their opinions, their job and their public figure status are all people that are extremely polarizing. Like Joe Rogan is my go-to example because he is so polarizing. He has a massive audience. And it's, I heard this quote the other day where they were like, 
some people like hot tea and some people like cold tea, but nobody likes warm tea. It's like when you try to dilute yourself so that everyone will agree with you and like you, you don't say anything interesting or worthwhile. If people I aren't love that, like if people aren't disagreeing with you, you're not saying anything new. You're not adding any new value. Um, and you're really not expressing anything like you're not expressing an opinion that's probably worth having if everyone is just like, yeah. So I think that's um, I think that's what I'm trying to get more used to and like really internalize because like I know it up here but then like dagger in the heart when someone's like you're an idiot you don't know anything I'm like yeah maybe I am and maybe I don't and so I'm trying to really be like no 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 you just don't agree with me and that's fine like we can agree to disagree um but yeah I think that's probably the that's the thing that I'm personally working on over the next year because it's hard it's hard being on the internet and it's especially hard to be a woman on the internet um Mm -hmm. especially in a male-dominated space where people kind of you have to like really show up and show out before they'll give you the time of day, I think. Yeah. Because they assume yeah. that you don't know what you're doing. Yep. And like, God forbid you say something stupid yeah. too. Like really wrong. Yeah. Then you lose all your credibility where mm-hmm. if a man did that, be like, oh, it's a mistake. Or yeah, exactly. You're, yes, your margin of error is so small. Um, Tiny. Yeah. So working on that personally. Yeah, no, I I for sure feel that. Well, <laughs> congratulations on um putting yourself out there. I Oh, thank you. Had, Likewise. Thank you. I had one of my one of my very best friends is a beautiful singer, like beautiful, wow. beautiful. And she and her husband moved to Nashville and she's working her ass off in Nashville to make it. And mm-hmm. like She's got a recording deal and she's on the road and she's grinding and grinding and grinding. And she went into a um, restaurant the other day. She did she did a sold out show. Her two best friends from Atlanta came to surprise her and they went to a bar after. And she and her best friends walked in with her husband and this guy was like, hey, you fat bitch. At after everything and she wrote this long Instagram post just about wow. all of that wow and I it she was so vulnerable in sharing mm-hmm. the story and I'm so proud of her for doing that and like taking a stand as someone who is kind of in the public eye mm-hmm. but to I am so impressed by anyone who has a dream and puts themselves out there mm-hmm. and makes themselves vulnerable, especially in front of their family and friends who are mm-hmm. maybe like, I don't know what you're, you know, it makes people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. But to have the balls to go out there and chase your dreams yeah. and it it opens you up to a little bit of public ridic- ridicule mm-hmm. and... um. I'm just a big fan of women who do it. So Mm -hmm. congratulations for opening yourself up for that kind of criticism. That shows you as just such a strong person. Thank you. Uh, And I agree. Likewise, um, feel the same about you and your friend. (laughs) I mean, like, exactly. And to, to, you know, to land this plane, same, same conclusion of like, no one's getting out of it alive. So like, might as well, right? Like, what's the worst that could happen? Um, Yeah. 
but yeah, someone but, calls you a fat bitch. Yeah, that's the worst. It, so it's like, that's I'll, the I'll worst. bounce back from that. That yeah, would be okay. <laughs> it's going to hurt. It's not going to kill you. Yeah. You know? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, so, Blaine, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Of course. It. Thank you so much for coming on. And I'm so I'm so glad we can make it work. And I'm so mm-hmm. glad to know you. Me too. We'll have to keep our Twitter alliance strong. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Okay. Well, I'd love to have you back on anytime. Thank you very much. Thank you. By accessing this podcast, you acknowledge that the Penny Lane podcast makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional or financial advice. Unless specifically stated otherwise, the Penny Lane podcast does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, service, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast. And information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement. The third-party materials or content of any third-party site referenced in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the opinions, standards, or policies of the Penny Lane podcast. The Penny Lane podcast assumes no responsibility or liability for the accuracy or completeness of the content contained in third-party materials or on third-party sites referenced in this podcast or the compliance with applicable laws of such materials and or links referenced herein.